Greetings to respected listeners and viewers of Chemcast. Uh, welcome to this week's episode. As you can tell from my uh, ridiculous hairstyle, uh, we're still in the midst of lockdown here in the UK. Everything is closed. Everything's miserable. Everything is doom and gloom. But it's times like these when uh, I'm really glad that I not only have um, the the podcast to to keep me going and um, keep me speaking to interesting people, but also the uh, the conversation club um, that that I run um, to share stories, have a laugh, catch up with my friends, and uh, just have a, a generally uh, a good time. So, uh, if anyone is interested in um, not only viewing uh, the content on the page, but maybe participating, then feel free to get in touch. Uh, don't forget that the promo code Campcast twenty one. That's CampCast21, CampCast21, can be used uh, when signing up to the Conversation Club, and you'll get a free lesson when you buy your first packet. Um, so go and do that. Or don't, you know, live your own life. It's a free world. Uh, so today's guest is uh, Yuri, uh, who's a really interesting chap. He uh, comes from a um, quite a literary background, which is uh, what we're going to discuss in some part of the podcast. Uh, aside from that, we talk about all of the usual topics, um, language, words, phrases, etc., etc., all of the rest of it. So uh, enjoy the episode with Yuri. Three, two, one, and uh, action. Yuri, action indeed. Um, just before we started taping, you were asking uh, who who are Frank and Fred. Um, yes. Why Why do you ask? All right. So uh, the reason I asked is because I got this postcard, which actually uh, you know had me puzzled over it for. Uh, <laughs> actually, I wrecked my brains. I don't know anyone who from from Britain. I thought that I didn't know anyone from Britain who uh, who had a perfect Russian handwriting. Oh yes. well, thank you. Um, yeah. I, I would I would certainly disagree with you that my right my handwriting in Russian is perfect. I think it's no, it's, it's pretty awful. good. It's pretty good. It's it very very natural. I can't remember even what I wrote on yeah, it. Yeah, I have it right here. Uh, I think I have it right here somewhere handy. Yeah, there it is. See? Oh well, for everybody who's watching this. Oh, there. very nice. Uh, right well, I top. wrote Russian Federation at least in English, so the, yes. the, the Royal Mail. Yes. And then I, then I remember it. Actually, put two and two together, and uh, this is why you asked us uh, all of us for the uh, for uh -huh. the uh, billing address. Yeah. All right. Very nice touch. Very nice touch. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. Happy New Year uh, to you and your family. And uh, yeah, ho hopefully this year is going to be uh, a little bit better. It would be quite difficult to make it worse than 2020. Um, yeah. Hopefully. But, I don't want to tempt fate. I, so um, to answer your question, um, Frank and Fred, uh, Fred is my dog and Frank is my cat. As you can see, I've got a bit of royal canine cat food there, which uh, right. cost me an arm and a leg. Right. Um, no, that clarifies it. That clarifies it then. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I don't, it's, um, that might be um, a British thing. I don't know. Is it? Oh, and there's, and there's the card. There's the card. Um, yeah, so obviously I signed the card from me and Dasha, like you, like Russians would do. Is it common for Russians to sign from their pets as well? No, it isn't. 
so may, maybe that's the um i mean not not all british people do it but um when when you know when i send a card i'll send it from mike dasher frank and fred um all right. So it's not all people, not all rich people do that, but it's still customary with some, with some people at least, right? I guess, I guess it's kind, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of tongue in cheek, um, but, um, that's what I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that my, uh, my cards got there because, um, at the moment, my, um, my, my buddy, um, Anton, also known as Jojek, he, he tried to send me a card from Tumen and the post office told him, sorry, no can do. Uh, because the um, sort of, you know, flight, even cargo flights between Russia and the UK are um, cancelled at the moment because we've got this new, I don't know if you've been reading the news about Corona and stuff like that, but we've got our new British variant of the virus, our yeah. new Brexit virus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, now yeah, yeah. so I heard, so I heard, yeah. 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 So it's only a matter of time before it gets here, I assume. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a matter of time before um, it spreads across Europe, just like the wave of populism that is already spreading across Europe. That's right. Um, so there we go. What you uh, what you drinking there? And yeah, got, got coffee. Coffee. coffee, right? I'm a coffee person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, uh, well, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think I, I drink too much coffee for my own good. And um, yeah, well, I've been I've been a pretty strong coffee drinker for like I don't know ten years, and I'm not sure if it's healthy. I know a lot of I know that there's a lot of people in the world, you know, trying to get off coffee, you know, for the reason that it has caffeine and stuff, and I uh, suppose it is it's bad for you, right? But I'm not sure how. But uh, yeah, I think it's not it's not meant to be amazing for your blood pressure and stuff. But in terms of cog uh, cognition, caffeine is really really good. Um, yeah. It, basically, the more coffee you drink, the more intelligent you become. Is what some studies show. So. Right. Not with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I haven't um, noticed that. And for, for athletic performance, it's like so, sometimes like if you have like a couple of cups of coffee before you do your workout in the morning, you go for your run. Some studies are like are just like silly how much it improves your stamina. Like um, I think one study I read about said that um, improves your stamina up to 12%, which is just ridiculous. That's like more than steroids in some case. Um, yeah. So, yeah, drink, drink coffee and be happy. Well, yeah, that's what I tell myself, you know, mm. be happy. Indeed. Indeed. So um, we should um, do a, a little introduction for, for the boys and girls uh, listening. So uh, Yuri, if you just um, give, give me give me the dime tour. What, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do and, and your content and all, all of that stuff. Okay, so um, where do I start? Uh, I think, well, first of all, um, well, I, uh, I, graduate, I graduated from university with a degree in, um, in philology. And, uh, and it was like, what, 10, 10 years ago or something. And uh, ever since then, I've been working as a, either as a uh, translator, interpreter, or a teacher. Um, I'm also, I should say, an aspiring uh, writer, but I haven't written anything <laughs> just as yet. But it, it is my, uh, it's my, long go, it's my, my ongoing dream. And um, I think we're going to get eventually, uh, get around to this eventually. Um, well, uh, I haven't been teaching for the past year uh, or something, or thereabouts. Yeah, about a year, about a, about a year ago, I stopped. Um, you know, had a had a lot of students, but uh, ever uh, well, and then and then um, my kids, my twin kids, my my, my twin boys were born. Um, you know, um, I have three three kids in in total. Mm. Yes, and then when the uh, when the twins. Um, and the twins came about. It was it was it was it was getting really really um um becoming really 
taxing experience to continue working in the same in the same way at the same pace and uh, and at the same time uh being with my kids and being a parent to them and being a father it's it's an enormous enormous drain on your on your stamina on your energy and um and i had to stop that for a while and i haven't been able to quite you know get in the same vein um for you know ever since then so and and as of maybe i don't know three four months ago i i started to contemplate a, a career change not a not not a change per se because i i you know i for the uh, for the space of this ten years, uh, I've been you know switching between uh, translating, interpreting, and teaching because I never I never seem quite to do no, I never seem to be able to do these two things quite you know uh, simultaneously. So mm -hmm. it's either this or that. So um, and for for now, I'm I, I started an account in, uh, on Upwork and uh, and doing some translations for now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, yeah, go on. No, and uh, I was going to say as well that um, I, I've read a couple of your um, articles for Puzzle English. That and this was back in the day that you wrote. Yes, that's, that's what were they thing. called again? Uh, Loviki or something like they that. Were, they, yeah, they were called Loviki. Uh -huh. Loviki. Yeah. There's a little the story. From, the yeah, way. there's a little story. Yeah, there is a little story behind the name. Um, my my eldest son is uh, called Leo Lev in Russian, and uh, uh, he was a very great source of inspiration for me, and still is. Uh, um, you know, as far as it applies to, um, you know, to writing, writing about English and in English as well, uh, because um, he's bilingual. I've been raising him bilingual ever since birth. So it's uh, what you call early bilingualism, right? Simultaneous early bilingualism. Yeah. And, um, and uh, he was doing surprisingly well. And, uh, you know, I, I would share a lot of, a lot of things he said on, on my VK page and f Facebook and stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, when it came to, when it came to deciding which which name to come, which name to um, to to pick for the uh, uh, for the articles, because mm. the, 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 there were two other authors there. There was um, there were Vitaminki, and the, the, there was Vitaminki. The, the one of the articles, the series of articles, was called um, uh, by another very very great, uh, very good um, teacher. His name is also Yuri Zhdanov. Maybe, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, maybe he's uh, no, I've, I've read some of his articles. I heard of him through he, Puzzle English. Exception, he's exceptionally good. I, uh, I love him. He's actually, I'm actually a fan. Yes. We, 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 we were colleagues. If, if you can talk, if you can twist his arm, I can get him on the podcast and say hello. I can say that we are, we are that very close. I mean, I'm no more, no more, no, no closer to him than, than you are from, from, you know, from where you sit. <laughs> but, uh, well, the thing is that, um, uh, he had like, uh, he had done, but the time I joined Puzzle English, he had done like uh, three years, I think, or two years, two years with them, and writing articles. And then he felt like, well, apparently he was, uh, you know, burned out, burnt out, and he felt like he needed a break. And this is where uh, I stepped in because they, they were looking for another author. And um, this other guy, Ilya, right? You've asked me about him, Ilya uh, Manishin. Yeah, I know Ilya. Uh, yes, he he also had um, he also had a um, a uh, his 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 weekly weekly column there called uh what's it called plushkin plushkin very nice yeah which he um called goodies i think in english mm -hmm. yes and um yeah so he reached out to me uh, uh he reached out to me on contact because well he had seen some of my stuff i had seen some of his stuff and we uh we would you know talk now and then and uh and he said that they were looking for an author and 
would I like to, how would I like to, uh, to join the, the company and actually write some money? <laughs> I said, all right, that would be a nice change because I, uh, you know, up until then I had never even dreamed that I could write about English and, and, and get money for it. And they paid very, very, very generously. I gotta say. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. I mean, um, obviously, you know, the, the only thing that I make money from <clears throat> English wise is, yeah. um, is my speaking club. Um, so the podcast, I make no money from, um, anything that I publish on online. I make no money from other than obviously in the sense that if someone sees my content and they like what I'm all about, then they subscribe mm -hmm. to my page and then maybe they'll join my speaking club. So in that way, I kind of make money from articles and, and podcasts in the, in the fact, you know, the sense that this is a marketing tool, yeah. but obviously, you know, the content comes first. It's got to be an interesting podcast. Otherwise exactly. no one, you know, really gives a shit about my club. Um, do you know That's what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, I um, what what sort of stuff do you tend to write articles about? Because I, I read a couple of them, and um, you know, there, there were there was some really sort of in depth, interesting uh, looks at different collocations and phrases. Um, um, what was one I read recently? Uh, the way that I think. So I don't um, remember. <laughs> So it's like, so it's um, when, when we learn this at university, when we study Russian grammar, we call it the equivalence yeah. construction. So that in, in yeah. Russian, like or or something yeah. like that, yeah. and how yeah. that is expressed in English. So if you wanted to say like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I like the way that uh, you smile at me or something like that, I think was your example. And just little technical moments like that. I, I really enjoy um, reading that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, uh, I really don't remember uh, that article. You uh, worry. Uh, that that structure that you've just mentioned, but uh, yeah. So um, uh, the way I went about writing these articles was uh, well, it's, it actually at some point it got to be a uh, pretty much of a strain because I was really struggling with with what to write about, with find out with find out what to write about because I mean to look at the uh, sheer amount of content on YouTube and on 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 on, uh, on the, the Russian Russian part of the internet, you will see that I mean. It looks. It would look like you know. Pretty much every topic has been you know exhausted. I mean, sometimes you would you would get into that frame of mind where you think that okay, there is nothing more to write about. And then, uh, so what I would do is um, I would I would read a book, right, or I would watch a movie, and uh, you know, and and if I come across like a phrase or or a word or or you know uh, a turn of phrase, for example, then that I that I that I know uh, will. Um, resonate with the with the with the audience that they will find it interesting then i will write about it some mm. of course you know you will have to you will have to expand on it and um you know um uh you know look into the uh look into look into the uh look at the grammar look into the uh, general picture of you know you have to fit it in you have to fit this uh particular detail into into larger context of um of how to use this and how to use similar structures and and, and where they come from and, and and stuff like that so uh this is basically this was basically the uh the method behind you know finding what things to write about um yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's um it reminded me a little bit of so I, I launched this new feature i don't know if you if you um keep track of the campfire page that often but um i've got this thing called technical tuesdays now have you seen that i think i have yes yeah so um but the whole idea of technical tuesdays is it's like things that are so it's like little teeny tiny technicalities and mistakes which are almost not even mistakes it's like stylistic issues yeah. and it's so it's the 
the way I phrased it is it's the and the picture of Technical Tuesday is like a big bench with loads of different tools. So it's like it's the linguistic equivalent of going into your garden shed, going into your workshop and just playing around with some old spark plugs or playing around with old curious uh, trinkets and bits of grammar and, and forgotten yeah. structures. So it could be anything from, you know, something quite simple like um, words which are always mispronounced. By the way, maybe you could answer this. I Maybe it, it, it boggles my mind how for example why do people constantly pronounce the word ruble incorrectly ruble the <laughs> russian word rubble yes 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 i uh, you know i i i've been wondering that myself um i'm not sure i'm not sure if i had the answer um rubble 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 i mean the only the only thing double. i could i think it yeah i think it, i think it has to do with the you know with the the, the word double is spelled probably that it's the mm, same way maybe right? maybe yeah maybe rubble yeah but it, yeah could it, it has how some some people used to teach it do you think that you know no, you no i don't think so although yes i wouldn't i wouldn't rule that out completely right because i mean there are t there are bad teachers who would but i don't think it's actually that i don't think mm. it's just and people look at the uh you know, people look at the word and they read it uh, you know um uh as they as, as they think is right and which is i think which the idea of which they probably got from the word i think double but i may be wrong yeah but it's a little um uh, all right, never mind. Yeah, a little confusing. I mean, and, and then there's other ones which are equally mysterious, like um, hotel mm -hmm. instead of hotel. Okay, that I think I may answer. Okay. You, you don't know the answer? What, no, what, no what, idea. What's, what's your take on that? No idea? Well, I mean, it, it the reason it confuses me is because the word in Russian, like, hey, is, is the same stress. Atel. Uh, so why 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 would you change it? Atel. No, wait, wait, hold on a second. There. Uh, atel. You, you stress the second syllable, right? Atel in Russian. Atel. Whereas yeah. in English, people, Russian people tend to stress the first syllable. Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, mistakenly so. So mistakenly if it's so. the same stress as in Russian, why why, no, why would it, you change it? Um, okay, uh, you may be familiar with the song by Eagles called Hotel, Hotel California, right? Oh, not this nonsense. Come on, Yuri. You're not telling me that it's because of the Eagles. I've heard this well, theory before. This is such it's, nonsense. It's as, good, it's as good a theory as any, right? I mean, we're just, you know, we're just speculating here. I mean, what could be the reason behind it? This song was extremely popular. It, it blared out every, practically, uh, you know, every, uh, you know, Every, ha every house, every car, back in the day, it was extremely popular. Everybody heard it. I mean, pick a person and ask, uh, ask them if they know, know the song. They will. I mean, does everybody know the song in, in elsewhere? Like in, yeah, it's, yeah, the Eagles are hu yeah, huge. Yes. Absolutely huge. But yeah. I, believe, I believe, yes, I believe that's, that's, that's the reason. I, I can't find another explanation. So just like you said, why put, another, why put a stress, why, why shift the stress on the first syllable where, <laughs> where in Russian it's all, it also falls on the second? I, I, th I think that there are, some, um, there are some trends which I think go much deeper than the admittedly deep um, <laughs> record by, by the Eagles. And it's, I, I, I love that record. I love that song. But yeah. um, I, th I think this is related to, um, for example, why... Why, why are cities pronounced differently in different languages? Do you know what I mean? What, who was the first person to say, I don't know, Manchester instead of Manchester? Why, why did that happen? And, and it happens with, with stuff like that all the time. Like, for example, how it, when we say the name of a Russian river, very often we will change the stress for literally no reason. So in English, the river that runs through um, St. Petersburg is called the Neva. 
with the yeah, stencil right. plus setup. Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Yes, I know. I I, I know the trend. Yeah, I understand what I understand what you so mean. But something I, to do with that, I would say. But I. I, from my teaching experience, from 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 the number of people that I have that I've taught that I have heard this word say, and some of them were, you know, some, some of uh, you know, uh, some of them could could barely speak any English. But you know, when asked to read the word, actually, I ran an experiment, you know, with 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 a couple of people. They barely knew any English, but if I asked them to uh, to read that word, they would read it as hotel, hotel mm. for some reason. I don't think it has to do with with the way. In their case, I didn't have to do anything with the way, uh, with you know, with this uh, uh, difference, right, between how uh, things are pronounced. Well, you know, which syllables we stress, we tend to stress in, in, in Russian, and which syllables we tend to stress in English. I think it had, it had to do with the same, with the, with the fact that they heard the song, and it was clearly pronounced as how. I mean, it's it's a song where you sing words, and when you when you sing words, you can you know put stresses, you could put multiple stresses, stresses or stresses where they don't belong normally. And uh, hotel California, it's you know there is there is this distinct first syllable stress there. Uh, yeah, I, all right. I, mean, I know it's not, it's not scientific. This is not scientific at all. I mean, you know, what if it had been the hotel Idaho? You know, then you have to explain why the Russians say Idaho instead of Idaho with the stress. And you know, it's uh, doesn't it doesn't it doesn't track with um, with the no. way that the you know stress stress changes all the time. Um, when you translate words, as of course you know, because you're you're a translator and, and yeah. a multilingual chat. Um, well, yeah, that, right. that one has just always struck me as strange because because the word is right. the same. be that as may. I think there is, uh, I think there are things, there are curious things that happen uh, that you cannot explain scientifically, or maybe even you shouldn't explain scientifically. And sure. I think I think I think this is one of those things. You know, Hotel California is. I think it clearly. Uh, to, look, I'm okay. I, I think uh, I may have. Uh, I think I almost forgot this, but now that now that we're talking about this, I I I much in the same way uh, as a student of English, I pronounced this word incorrectly, and I was a big fan of uh, of the song, and I think that actually influenced uh, the way the way the way I pronounced this word. And then only uh, you know in my uh, in my university years, I was uh, you know I was corrected. You know, mm -hmm. it's not it's not hotel, it's hotel. So okay, even if uh, just you know, uh, if even if I had my own experience to to base my conjecture on, I would you know I'd, I'd still bet my money on it. All right, all right. It's not scientific. I know I know you're a scientific chap. I mean you. <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely yes. not scientific. I, I'll agree with you on that one, hundred percent. Right. I, I'm not a very scientific person. Yeah, but uh, you know, I think it still has some legitimacy behind it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's um a lot of the time we, we can um find patterns um that seem super self explanatory. Yeah. Um that simply are not there. Um like this, you know, there, there's a lot of um completely nonsense claims that, you know, for example, like Eskimos have you know, thirty words for I, snow heard, and they can this, distinguish yes. different shades of white. All complete nonsense. Um yeah. but that theory persisted for some time at least yeah absolutely and it, it's it's a really intuitive idea that we all have that language can shape thoughts and that language is a window onto culture and maybe to some extent it is but for every example that you give of look oh you know es eskimos have this many words for snow therefore 
this is how their brain works. For, for every example you have like that, you could think of another example which proves the opposite of your theory. So it's um, it's 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 very hard to prove this idea without anecdotal cherry picking of data and examples. Um, but for sure, I think that there, there is some truth to the claim that you know a, a language is is somewhat representative of a culture. You know, for example, if you have a desert island of people that you know have let's say never discovered alcohol which we you know we have examples of that on the planet then it stands to reason that that tribe or that 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 language they would have no word for drunk no word for beer no word for wine that's obvious but then to to say that um you know in in russian there's this many words for drunk and in english there's this many therefore russians are more alcoholic i uh, don't i don't really buy that don't really buy that well, I agree with you there. I mean, uh, I would often run into this, uh, you may have as well, uh, into this um, list of uh, uh, list of, of the word bezat, yes, declined in Russian. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. And it uh, goes up to like about like a hundred something uh, variations, right? Bezat, 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 babigu, and so on. And then, and look at, and, and look at, and look at, and look at the, uh, you know, English equivalent of that. So there was, I ran, I run, I was running, I'm running, and so on. I run, just three of them, right? So, uh, which uh, I think purposely led people to believe that, you know, people who would choose to believe that, of course, that that uh, English is a much poorer language than Russian, based on that, uh, on that evidence, which was, of course, complete falsehood. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but by the same logic, you could say that, you know, English has more words than Russian, therefore English is rich, right. like, which is That's something right. that I don't agree with. Uh, you right. know, English has more words than any other language on the planet by, by a very long way. But I don't think that that necessarily makes English, quote unquote, richer. Uh, if anything, you, you could argue the opposite. You could say that English isn't very efficient because we have so many ridiculous words. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I think there's this... Um, there's this claim that everyone likes to make um the russians love to make it and the english are uh, you know are, are just as bad if if not worse uh, than, than the russians in this regard that and i talked about this i can't remember who it was with on a previous podcast i talked about this idea that everyone has this bias that my language is uniquely illogical uniquely strange yes, uniquely yes. did this whole like you know that that you know whole idea um sorry but but no um the, and this is like the amount of people who ask me about this phrase and again I, i'm sorry for people who are listening who have heard this before but russians just love talking about oh my god how illogical oh my oh the mystery yeah. oh the enigma yeah. i mean it's not it's not that hard it's you know there, there are contradictory and illogical phrases in every language in english and russian and french and spanish and course, god knows yeah. every language there is no doubt about that yeah absolutely so you, you mentioned earlier i wanted to go back to this um idea of, of um writing what, what sort of stuff would you aspire to write fiction non-fiction stuff about english novels uh that's a question that i've been asking myself right now for for a long time um i've always uh labored under the uh i'm not sure if it's a misconception perhaps perhaps i have yet to disprove that but i haven't been I haven't proved that either. That uh, I I'm pretty low on uh, you know on ima on imagination. So uh, I, I used to hear this from my grandfather, who was himself a writer of some renown in Russia in, in the USSR. Leonid Mikhailovich, I think. Yes. How do you know? If uh, you look on, on my page. page. <laughs> yes. So uh, and 
I would I would often hear him say that okay um, he he would he would um, the kind of books he wrote was were, were uh, the kind of books he wrote were, were grounded in reality pretty much grounded in reality because on his own in his own experience because he had traveled extensively he had a very extraordinary life you know he went to he went to war as a fourteen year old kid and then and spent eight years in the in the Soviet army. And he fought Whoa, he went to war as a 14-year-old kid? 14, 14-year-old kid, yes. Second World War? Second World War, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, well, uh, when, when I asked him why would you do, I mean, why would you do that? I said, he said, we were, well, first thing is, uh, you know, this whole idea of, of going to war, it was pretty much, you know, veiled in, you know, romanticism. People, people really, uh, people, boys, of, at the, you know, at the time, they, they really felt cult to do that because mm. you know it was something heroic right and second of all it's more it's more uh let's say pedestrian consideration you would be you would be called into the army one way or another so and 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 unless you unless you volunteered people would give you you know you know uh unless you volunteered and went to the army instead and uh instead, and instead were called into the army drafted right um people would give you a career look right i mean mm. i mean this is yeah. not a really a uh, Soviet type of a person, right? Who would not go to the army, right? Right. Who would have? Who would have to? Who would have? Who would wait until the last the last minute to get actually drafted and listed, uh, as opposed to actually uh, volunteer and, and and go um and go on their own. So, all right. That that aside, um, uh, you asked me about what I would write about. So I would always I would often hear my grandfather say that um, he didn't well. He, he would never be able to, you know, uh, write a book out of his, you know, um, just using his imagination, like just uh, pure fiction. Um, pretty much what he wrote was was grounded in, in, in his own experience. Whereas my experience is pretty uh, meager. I haven't experienced very much in my life. So I've always looked on, on to my, looked, looked back on my grandfather and, and you know, holding up as an, as an example of what to aspire to. And if, and if I wanted to be a writer, I would want very much to be like him, mm. which I will never be able to attain because the, 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 I mean, this is unattainable heights for me. The kind of experience he had, the kind of books he had, that he read, the kind of uh, people he met. He was, uh, you know, this is, I'm 32 years old and I, I don't think I will ever achieve that. But I do have my own my own experience, right? And this is what I've been um, talking uh, talking talking about with uh, discussing with my therapist because uh, this has very heavily, very have this this lay very has um, sorry lay very heavily on my on my mind for mm. for um, you know for a very long period of time that I, I really want to do something something meaningful, but I'm not I don't I'm not sure really, I'm not really sure what I want to do. Uh, are you are you sort of worried about, um, you know? It sounds like you're torn between the choice. Have you changed mm -hmm. cups? Uh, yes. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this, is this is water. This is water. Ready to go. <laughs> Yuri's not messing around today. Jesus. All right. Well, actually, I have uh, another cup here. Right oh, here. for God's sake! And one more. Yes, that's. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I would have like ten cups lying around on my table here. Yeah, I do that all the time. It drives my wife crazy. Right. Um, so, yeah, I was going to ask. You, so it sounds like you're torn between following too closely in your grandfather's footsteps, footsteps exactly, yeah. and, and being like just a copy of him or going your own way. But then at the same time, if you go your own way, you ignore your grandfather's wisdom. And, and if yes. anything, you're, yes. you're, you're sort yeah. of like pretty much like line. that. Pretty much like that. Yes. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. Tough choice. Tough choice. Um, Tough choice. By the way, pe- people listening are probably going absolutely crazy. We haven't said the name of the guy. Please, can you say the, 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 your grandfather's name and some examples of some books that he, he wrote? Uh, Leonid Pasenyuk is his name. He's originally from Ukraine. Uh, and, well, just to name a few books that he wrote that um, I think people would be able to find on the internet. Uh, Ludigora Nieba. Mm. Uh, I think is one of the books available, actually available on the, on the online. And Idupa uh, Kamandoram, I think, is uh, is also uh, one of those books available. By the way, it's uh, mm, well, he dedicated much much of his work, you know, the greater part of his works um, to um, to to the far east of Russia and um, to Siberia, to Yakutia, to to the uh, northern parts. And and there, there was one there was one. A uh, particular uh, part of land w- w- which he felt uh, closely gravitated to, um, called the Commander the Commander Islands. It's uh, you know it's a little arch- archipelago of like four islands. Uh, of um, so near Kamchatka. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Near near Kamchatka, just like about four hundred kilometers off of Kamchatka or something like that. Yeah, and it, that's is it in the Bering Sea? Have I got that right? Yes. So you can yes. see you can see Alaska yes. from them, right? I'm not sure if you can, but yeah, it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. You can right. see them from there. Oh, yeah. Uh, why, why Kamchatka? Why, why is he so obsessed with that part of the country? Well, uh, he himself said that uh, when he was a little kid, he watched the movie called, um, in Russian it was called Devushka Kamchatka, I think. Mm-hmm. And he he just absolutely fell in love with with the girl, with the setting, with the, with the land that was portrayed there in the movie. And uh, and he knew, you know, the one thing that actually struck me struck me about him is that he always said about he always said that uh, that he, I, I say sad because he he died two years ago. Uh, he always said that he knew exactly what he was going to be and where he would go, where he would go, and uh, he knew exactly that he was going to uh, he was going to uh, Kamchatka, and uh, and he did. When he got mm-hmm. his first book and he got the money for it, uh, he got when he got the uh, you know the, the payment for the book, he spent the money to get to get to Kamchatka, right? And then and then and then he would um, you know he would be paid actually to go there and and, and write books about it. Hmm. So he was, but he was writing in the Soviet time, yeah. Yes, uh, both in the Soviet time and and you know the modern Russian time mm-hmm. as well. So how, how did that work? Like if you were a writer in, in uh, under you know socialism. Then, do do you how do you, how do you get like the profit from your book? Because obviously, you know, it, it was it was a planned economy, right? So it's not quite the same as I write a book. If it does well, I get loads of money. If it doesn't do well, I don't get money. So did did he get like a, a sort of stipend from the writers' union, or like how how did that work? Or I, maybe he didn't share it with you. I don't know. He did. Uh, he actually got paid for it, and very generously at that. Uh, Writers were very well paid. Professional writers were very well paid in in the, in the USSR. Something that my my father, um, uh, my, my grandfather, sorry, uh, complained about when you know after the dissolution of the Soviet Union, uh, he was still a writer because that was he he, he decided he chose to to stay true to his nature, to to his calling, but, and uh, and to continue writing. But the uh, the the only difference was that the kind of books he continued writing. They were not in demand anymore. People didn't read them anymore. So uh, he just he just used his own money to publish them because I mean, uh, well, 
there was no other way around it. He could just he had to he had to uh, get his stuff out there, and uh, and which he did. So, so literal uh, Sam is that. Mm, well, not really, because uh, you paid the. I mean, uh, the book was actually published by the by a uh, publishing house, and, and then mm. then technically you could actually uh, you could um, uh, you know take it to take it to a uh, take it to a um, you know private store and uh, and agree to have it sold on you know, mm -hmm. uh, but um, but it was different under the Soviet Union, of course. Yeah. Because by the way, that that, that was an example of um, of a, a nice uh, word we were talking about earlier. How words um, switch their stress in English and Russian. So samizdat is how we say it in um, in English. You can say that perfectly yeah. respectable word. Samizdat. Yeah. Um, samizdat. Yeah. Yeah, but in the Soviet times, it was different. Uh, he 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 was pretty well paid. Hmm. All writers were pretty well paid. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. You know, um, I think an, an equivalent for me of like you, you talked about how he. Um, do you say it was called Yoshka uh, Skamchatki? This uh, yeah, I think film so. that came out, and how he fell in love with the place, and just the the something yeah. really enigmatic about it. Um, an equivalent of that for me was, and I can't remember how this started. Was it a documentary or something like that? Or maybe a person I met um, is the same fascination with Marielle. Mm. Um, do you know any people from, from no, Marielle? No, no, no. Um, very, very specific looking people. That their, their, their appearance is, is, is um, so if you, like the, the girls from Marielle, really, really pretty girls. Um, not, not typically russian looking um not not like siberian looking you know they don't look like you know tatars or Khantimansi or anything like that it's really really uh, and and the language like this mariski language and the, and the culture all super duper fascinating stuff um yeah there's there's so many um nooks and crannies and areas of um you know sort of ethnic national russian um what would you call it um i suppose your ethnic history um which is you know, unexplored by certainly by um, you know a lot of European viewers. You know, if you if you ask like you know the typical British person, or European person, tell me about Russia, then they'll, they'll know about like you know the Kremlin and the Red Square and all of that stuff. But then if you show them, you know the um, the reindeer herders of the north and the, and the Chukchas and the Tatars and and um, you know the Buryatians and the Kamchatkans and, and all of this crazy. Um, you know, mixture of different nationalities and cultures. I think most people would be very shocked mm -hmm. to find that out. To find that, yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I've and, never uh, ventured um, further further east than Western Siberia. I think Nizhny uh, Vartovsk is the furthest east and north I've been, uh, but no further than that. And you spent there how long? Oh, in Vartovsk, not very long. I, I I used to go up there. I I lived there for a couple months. Um, and I would go up to do so when when I did Cambridge exams. So you know I was I was doing speaking exams. Um, the way we did it was the examiners who worked in uh, Nizh, as we called it, Vartovsk or, or Nizh, whatever that's what we called it. They would come down to Tumen, and the guys in Tumen would go up to Nizhny Vartovsk because you're not allowed to examine your own students. So we did it like that. So I would go up, you know, once or twice a year to do Cambridge exams and stuff. Sometimes on the train, uh, sometimes on um, uh, UTR, uh, ATR 74, uh, 72, was it? ATR 72? I don't know, some sort of turboprop plane. Very, very, I was so scared about um, flying on. What, there, was, um, there was a crash, when was it? 2000, 
2012, I think it was, an ATR-72 crashed in Tumen. It was mm -hmm. a flight from Tumen to Surgut, if I'm not mistaken. So that pretty much exactly the same route that I that I was flying. Um, and there was nothing wrong with the plane. It was it was put down to pilot error. Basically, what happened was, you know, when you're flying in winter in Russia or any cold country, they put that like anti-ice stuff on the wings. They spray it with some liquid or some foam or some yeah. sort of shit. I don't know. Uh, basically, the pilot said, ah, it's, it's, it's too warm for that. Let's skip it. And then it, when he got up to a high enough height, it wasn't too warm. It was very cold. And his aerofoils jammed. And uh, yeah, he just crashed into the forest. Um, yeah. Shame. Yeah. yeah, it was um, pretty bad. Pretty bad. I used, I used to um, teach a lot of people from Utah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, they, they used to, that we had some, in the school where I used to teach, we had some corporate clients. So it was like this, you know, mainly oil and gas companies, obviously it's Siberia. So it's mainly oil and gas. So you've got like, you know, Slumberger and um, who else? Gazprom Neft and all, all those guys, they would uh, sort of subscribe to our lessons and we would go to their offices or they would come to us. And one of the companies was Uther. And uh, yeah, we, we, um, we used to teach those guys just normal English and a little bit of, little bit of aviation vocabulary in there as well. Going in, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, I've always wanted to go. Uh, I've always wanted to go that you know uh, that far east myself, but I have never been able to get around to it. You know, uh, for money considerations and and other things. Yeah, for sure. And now and now I have three kids to uh, three kids to to look after, and it's mm -hmm. not it's not an easy thing to to get away from them. Yeah, it's 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 um, <laughs> it's difficult enough for me to you know get get rid of my dog and cat when we were <laughs> yes. Yeah, what's what are they? Frank and Fred, right? Frank yeah. And Fred, yeah. With, uh, with three kids it must be uh, yeah infinitely more difficult yeah, yeah i um but you're 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 near krasnodar if i'm not mistaken i am yes i am in krasnodar ah, in am. in the city itself in the city yes but we are actually considering the move because uh uh the city has been has been becoming very very uh congested of late because you know mm. many many cars many new people coming in from from siberia by the way from you know from everywhere from from, from all across russia yeah because it's know. cold we, we want to, yeah because it's cold but... your watermelons in your warm weather <laughs> all right yeah but i I've, i'm not sure how how it hasn't lost its allure i mean to the people from from that far because i mean it's uh if if you take if you if you go to the trouble of actually looking into the the question of whether you should or not whether you should move to christ or not you will probably get the answer that no, no, you shouldn't because it has a lot of, it has a wide range of problems, like uh, pretty densely uh, built up, right? And there has been more and more and more uh, high rises, you know, pop, you know, popping up uh, all, all, all over the city. Mm. Uh, the city itself hasn't, you know, hasn't become any bigger uh, per se, but there's been, you know, more and more people in it. It was, uh, it was meant for like about a million people to live in it. And uh, and whereas we have about two million now, oh Jesus! So yes, and uh, and you know at, at the uh, the rate things things are going, I think we're we're bound to have like about three point five million people, um, uh, you know, in about what three four five years time, which is you know which is what the authorities say that we're about. We, this is the number we are actually uh, mm. uh, going to have number of people. So yeah, we we have been um, uh, contemplating, you know. Uh, our our move getting a house somewhere in the suburbs i think it's it, it, you know uh in this past year it has become something of a uh, of a tendency with people from all over all over the world to leave their to leave their cities where they have lived for a long time like um, uh and and move away somewhere somewhere quite nice because 
when you get locked up in your apartment with three kids, I get when I say I get locked up. I mean, I mean literally because you can go outside. I mean, if you go outside, if you get caught outside doing anything, anything else, uh, doing anything other than just you know going shopping or <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, yes, uh, yeah, you. Mm-hmm. It, well, that's an exaggeration, of course, but yes, you get arrested, you get fined. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, well, not, not to mention you get sick. You, you you run this very 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 real risk of getting sick here. Yes. <laughs> That's like, um, it reminds me of when that I think it was some anecdote like British people said, Oh, I'm going to put my seatbelt on, there might be an accident. And Russian people say, I'm going to put my seatbelt on, there might be cops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, I have a friend here from, from, from America and he's always been complaining. Why, why is it that, you know, Russian taxi drivers never let me, <laughs> never let me fasten my seatbelt? <laughs> yes. Well, probably. So whenever you get in the car and you start, you know, fasten your seatbelt. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. I got yeah, it. I got I, it covered. I'm, I've, I've had a couple of those guys before. I don't listen to them. Um, like, you shouldn't, right? Yeah, it's like, um, especially, I mean, I think it's that might be a kind of a Southern thing. Uh, I don't know. In Tumen, it didn't really happen that much. Um, but yeah, in, in the South, I've, I've had all let's say certain certain nationalities like they'll get offended when you put a seatbelt on because it's like what are you saying that i can't drive safely yeah. and i well maybe you can't i don't know <laughs> like i'm sorry <laughs> like, it's not a difficult thing to put your seatbelt on you right. should do it you've got like a what is it like an like 60 percent increased chance of dying in a crash over 30 miles an hour if you don't have a seatbelt on i mean it's just it's not difficult <laughs> yeah um, uh i i have a friend who's a very sensible person uh you know any way you look at him but he has this one little quirk that I found that I found very find very quirky. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he would never fasten his seatbelt, and uh, when asked to why, he said that okay, so if there is a chance that my if there is if there is a chance and there is always a chance that a car might actually overturn, then that then having a, having your seatbelt on can actually be a problem because it, you know it will it will hamper you know uh, you from uh, from from getting out of the car. Not as much of a problem as, as yes. you hitting your head on the roof when it exactly, overturns. exactly, exactly. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, this is not a very English thing to do, right? British what, to, to not to not, to, to not fasten your seatbelt, right? Uh, it, no, it's not. It's not an English thing to do. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying that no people. Um, th- I'm not saying that every single person, every journey, puts their seatbelt on. But I mean, I from from my personal um, you know experience, I, I would never not fasten my seatbelt um so i guess we can um, safely call this a russian thing right maybe yeah this is something that i talked about in my podcast um the other which um so we it's only just gone new year so um we're st- i'm still recording a bank of episodes so nothing's come out in season two yet but um <laughs> when this comes out my podcast with anton will have already come out and we, we talked about this sort of russian idea of health and safety and of putting a seatbelt on and you know smoking in a petrol station or you know all or, or, or blocking fire exits as another like the, when i first saw that in russia fire exits and fire windows are closed with a lock and a key i i just i lost the will to live i just didn't understand it at all what's the point of having a fire exit if it's locked um yeah. just yeah crazy stuff um so yeah you should um, go go and check out that podcast if you want to hear um all, all anton is the guy who who you have a very weird way of speaking to uh, in English, right? And with, yeah. with him answering you in Russian, right? Yeah, exactly. So he, he um, it was his idea. We we speak in a yeah very strange way, but it just works. It really works. It's so it easy. works. Like, I speak yes. English and he speaks Russian, and I understand uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And it's it's not it's it's 
the idea is that you can and he, he his english is very good don't get me wrong this is not out of necessity this is our choice to do this um because you know we could speak 100 in russian or we could speak 100 in english it wouldn't you know be fine but you're always going to be more exact and more understandable in your own native language than in a foreign language no matter how good you are doesn't matter if you're like super duper cpe um so we think well wh why not just you know have the best of both worlds and uh and speak in two languages in one conversation um but yeah yeah we, we we talked all about that sort of health and safety stuff indeed indeed um i was looking at some of your um translations i noticed that you um that on, on your page this is um about like articles that you've written about translations that you've done in the past um i noticed that you translate some are you referring to hemingway to the hemingway thing no, 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 I'm talking about Soviet cartoons. Ah, right. Yes, I almost forgot. Yeah, it was like mm. two years back. Yeah, there was, uh, it was, it was a, uh, so what is your question? Is there a question? Um, well, I, I just, I just found it interesting. Like, first of all, um, was there like a market for that? Is there like some <laughs> um, like English speaking no. people who were super interested in Soviet cartoons? Or was it just like kind of a curiosity project? It was a kind and of, also, yeah. the second question was, were there any um because it's this is language for children so in principle it shouldn't be difficult to translate but are there any sort of you know cultural bits and bobs which you found really hard to transpose from cartoons there were yes well to answer your first question whether was there was there was there a market for that no there was no well i i i actually thought that there would be but and this was uh, you know i did this on the understanding that uh, the company that is puzzle english right they would actually, uh, you know, undertake uh, to to market it properly, and I, you know, I went I went all out. You know, it was a very uh, very taxing experience for me. It was the first experience that um, of of doing something like that. But um, um, uh, it was just very challenging, which is why I, which is why I decided to to uh, to accept it. The offer and they also paid very well so we had to we had well if you look at the uh, number of translations on youtube for example you will not find well you will find you know here and there uh you know some 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 cartoons translated with you know subtitled but not translated or maybe translated but poorly uh, or voiced you know that you don't you don't find that almost ever you know voice mm -hmm. voice voiced uh, russian cartoons voiced in, in english um and they wanted to do something uh which i which i actually had thought that you know would uh would pay off because uh i had this idea of of translating them myself for you know for some time and then here comes this offer and uh, i uh, i gladly accepted it and the idea was that we would actually i would actually translate and then we would have we'd have the cartoons voiced over by an actual native speaker for which purpose we, for, for which purpose we found a uh, an actor from from Manchester by the way yes, his name is uh, Peter Baker I think and uh, he did he did a tremendous job it was really it was really good and he, he um, you know in the course of um, you know in the course of work he actually fell in love with with the cartoons itself mm. which I think actually um, uh, you know um, added to the uh, to to their general appeal although 
many people found found a lot of faults with the you know uh, with the voiceover itself uh, because I mean it never it never it didn't feel the same. Of course it didn't because you know uh, it's it's not quite the same if you if you if you watch something in the in the in the in you know uh, in the original, right? Yeah, of course it's an adaptation. Yes, it's an adaptation. Um, I uh, as for whether there were you know cultural things that I found difficult to translate. Yeah, I think there were. I I I don't I don't quite remember what they were, but I I wrote an actual article, uh, which was published in in uh, some some online magazine where I talked about uh, what things I found the hardest and uh, especially the songs the songs were you know the trickiest bit because mm. I, I wanted to do them I wanted by the way I just you know a uh, little aside uh, you I saw your your uh, uh, translation of, of your poetry somewhere and, and oh yeah I've got I've got a couple of um, a couple of translations out there um, yeah, yeah Pushkin, right? shout out shout out to Kimura's page uh, go go check it out um, yeah. you can see my translation of uh, Don by by Pushkin there um, yeah. and then I've got a couple of other translations here there and everywhere I don't remember where I put them <laughs> right so and you and you mentioned there uh, as a preface that uh, you found that it was equally important not to not just be able to not just you know uh, convey the actual you know uh, meaning of of what you're translating but also the form and I, if uh, anything, the form is more important. I if anything, the form, yes, when it comes to poetry, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, and this is what I was actually, uh, this is what I was aiming for uh, when I translated those, um, you know, rhymes and songs, especially Winnie the Pooh songs. The, the, uh, the, those were the trickiest things. I, I'm not sure. I, I would not, uh, you know, I would not say that I did, did a perfect job. Now, when I rewatched all that, I found a lot of faults with it myself. You know, it's been. You know, a long time since then, two years, and uh, mm -hmm. I couldn't say. I'll see a lot of things that I could have done better. <clears throat> but all in all, it was a unique experience. It had never been done uh, until until we did it. You're and a pioneer, a trailblazer. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but it, um, well, it never. Um, the cartoons, I mean, they never touched shot to to any fame because I mean, uh, nobody ever, nobody ever bothered to actually, you know market them properly so that we just uploaded them on the YouTube channel and uh, they uploaded and, um, mm -hmm. and they actually re re revoked my uh, my administrative rights which I uh, regret oh, very Jesus. much because I, I you know I I would you know uh, sometimes answer some of the comments uh, and now I can't even do blow. that for some for some reason blow. for some reason they had actually uh, yeah I think it's um there's there's so many um moments from whether it's childhood cartoons or any sort of cultural reference that it, it's been a, in the culture long enough and different generations have been exposed to these cultural texts that you know if, if i just say in english who's there who's there even if i say it in a funny voice mm -hmm. um it's not gonna strike a chord but if, if if you have two guys one from you know Muromansk and one from Kamchatka and I say to both of them Ktotam, Ktotam, like they will instantly understand exactly what I'm talking about that it's the little bird from um you know this um three by the way how do you translate that that uh I've heard a, a nice translation of it before buttermilk village yeah but the actual you mean the, the actual name of the village right I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. I just left it as is yeah, that's fair enough. I, especially if you if you need to like uh, you know keep the syllable count for a song or for, for a yes, uh, 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 the um, I actually um, the last curtain that I did was I think uh, it was about the uh, 
a parrot uh, called Cacherite. Mm. Have you seen this cartoon before? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of things that I didn't that I didn't really know how to how to uh, go about translating because uh, uh, part of the part, part of the part of the uh, uh, humor was based on on the actual um, you know on the on play on words on the uh, on the accents because there was a, there was a uh, there was a person uh, there was a person speaking on TV with a with a Ukrainian accent and you had to somehow get that across as well but how how would one go go about doing this so uh, we had this, I had this weird uh, weird uh, idea that maybe we should uh, translate that as uh, as uh, you know, with a Spanish accent, I know it's uh, it's not really. Uh, I mean, it's not really. Um, you know, uh, right? Perhaps is, is the right word here. Or maybe an Irish accent. Yes, and uh, with Carlson, which is actually what we did there, uh, we um, we uh, translate Carlson with a uh, uh, with a uh, Scottish accent. Oh, very yeah, good. Because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he actually st strikes you as a person like you, you. I mean, you would look at him and you'd think that okay, this person uh, has a little bit of yeah. you know, Scottish ginger fat, Scot looks Scottish, Scottish to me. Scottishness about it, yeah. So how did you translate when he says, uh, you know, it's like, let's continue our conversation in a Scottish accent or something like that? I think I think uh, the way I translated that was, uh, so where were we? I think that's that's what I said mm, there. Yeah. So perfect. where were we? Yeah, that's good. That's good. And what, yeah, what, what does he drop out the window? I can't remember. What? He drops something out the window when he says that. Yeah, he, he actually falls, uh, yeah, falls out the window when he says that, yeah. <laughs> oh, classic. Either before or after that. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note of uh, continuing the conversation, uh, we've been going literally an hour. That's flown by very yes, quickly. So, yes, uh, that's very surprising. Let's, um, let's end the conversation to sure. misquote Carlson. Uh, Yuri, thanks very much for coming on the show. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we, we can uh, do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, hopefully, yes. I'll, I'll let everyone know where to find your articles and all of your Yoviki and, and all of that stuff. Thank you very um, much. So they can, they can all check it out. Thank you. Okay. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, there, man. I will uh, see you when I see you. See you when I see you. Bye. Take okay. care. Bye now. Mm -hmm.